You're listening to In The Know, a collection of career development insights and leadership experiences from INSEAD, the business school for the world. Hello and welcome to In The Know podcast, where we discuss topics of careers and leadership. I'm your guest host, Lillian Jardine, and today we'll be discussing ways you can progress your career in the finance sector. So what is it that sets successful financial professionals apart? How can you go from a good career to a great one? Here to share more about their experiences in finance sector are Yuri Yoshioka and Vijay Rajadran. So in an interview, like you really want the interviewer to um, buy into your uh, potential and the ability to, to grow and learn. Uh, learning agility is the key to a successful career nowadays. In the current fast-evolving business environment, I believe companies are increasingly looking for that quality in candidates. Yuri Yoshioka is Vice President of Risk Management Aircraft Leasing at GE Capital Aviation Services. My, my first tip is they have to show up physically and mentally, and also they have to uh, prioritize. They must have a plan because it's a Singapore is a very small place. There's so many events happening. Then you have to. You don't have time to attend all the events. So think about the power of powerful of um, and the power of network. It takes time, and you have to be regular. You have to be consistent, and uh, you have to be respectful of others' time as well. Vijay has 15 plus years of experience with the private, public, and non-profit sectors in Africa, Asia, and Europe. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. So tell us more about yourself. What are some of the highlights from your career? Yuri. Okay. Um, my career journey at G has never been boring with a lot of ups and downs, of course. But I would say that the transition to my current role in Singapore is one of the biggest changes I've experienced. It was particularly exciting and rather hectic because a lot of things happened at the same time, personally and professionally. I started attending INSEAD in September 2015. That was five months after I gave birth to my second daughter. And <laughs> while I was, I, I was still on maternity leave, um, studying with my classmates from all over the world and being in a culturally diverse country like Singapore, I started to think about my career and got inspired to take a chance and work outside of Japan. Because my career up till then was only in Japan, and I'm born and raised there. So I've lived in uh, overseas countries for a little bit, but that was early on in my childhood, so never in a professional career. So I was fortunate enough um, to get an internal opportunity and got an offer to work in Singapore just after um, I came back to work. And so I packed up and moved during my fourth module at INSEAD. So I was doing the capstone project and, you know, <laughs> changing jobs and moving my family. And it was just crazy. But, um, you know, like you can't time all these things. So you just have to go with the flow and <laughs> see the opportunity. Great. Thanks for sharing. Uh, and Vijay, tell us more about you. I'm a polymath with wide range of learning and experience. You know, uh, you know the iconic uh, Marina Bay Sands, it has three towers. You know, my three pillars in my career, I was a chemical engineer first, then I became a material scientist, then uh, now currently I'm a venture capitalist. You know, of course, uh, you know, Marina Bay Sands has a horizontal tower as well. That means on top of my three pillars, I had different functional roles, starting from R&D, uh, product development, manufacturing, and you get me in finance. 
you know also i have a different regional experience uh, india uh, singapore and japan in asia germany netherlands and uh, switzerland in uh, in europe and also different sectors you know uh, universities research institutes corporates you know uh, public agencies so i have a wide variety of uh, experience you know both technically and commercially great thank you so we'll dive into something more finance industry specific so the finance industry can require individuals to possess specific skills have you got any memorable skills questions you faced in interviews you've attended and advice for our listeners in how to best tackle these questions yeah. <laughs> vijay yes i did many times i was asked many times because uh, pe industry is known to recruit those from uh, investment banking or management consulting no i am not an investment banker i am not a management consultant then they i was asked how vijay how do you add value to the pe industry especially when i was trying to make a transition it was a valid question but rather than focusing on a single skill i focused on combination of skills now for example in the pe industry my current fund it has pe activity as well pe industry multiples are very high that means the the, the multiples you pay for buying a company is very high and buying low selling high those days are gone leveraging alone is not enough that means the value you can add is through operational improvement so i leverage my operational experience because i developed product in the lab i develop manufacture product in the plant i also sold the products to the customer in the market i also have financial knowledge you know so i came across not just a you know narrow focus skills i broaden my skills i leverage my skills for the pe industry you know so i have to focus on my combination of my skills great and yuri would you have any uh, advice for our listeners on how to best tackle tricky questions well, as you said the financial industry is highly regulated most parts of the world and you would likely be required to have certain qualifications including strong academic background certificates and licenses depending on your role right and this might be a little bit encouraging for some people some listeners but i majored in sociology and political science for undergrad because i genuinely enjoy the subjects However, I really got interested in the financial industry when I was looking for my first job. And with my background back then, I was only able to get offers for like middle office, back office roles and investment banks. So, um I thought about how to navigate my career from the start and I instead joined uh Bloomberg, uh, which is a financial information provider. Um and you know, I I learned um uh, the industry um acquired some skills uh, that's necessary for um uh, getting a front office role in investment bank. Um so after a short stint, I joined the Royal Bank of Scotland as an associate in the real estate finance team. And because RBS is a bank, I needed the securities brokerage licenses, but you know, I I promised to get them as soon as possible. So on the job, I I got two licenses, or oh, no, three actually. And then after I joined the structured finance team at G Capital, and that was the real estate business back then, um I obtained the real estate brokerage license and money lenders license and you know, like th- these kind of things would prove that you're capable of learning fast and Uh, you know like sticking to your word so in an interview interview like you really want the interview word to um buy into your uh, potential um and the ability to to grow and learn i will touch on this later but uh, learning agility is the key to a successful career nowadays in the current fast evolving business environment i believe companies are increasingly looking for that quality in candidates Great. Thank you. That was yeah, very interesting to learn more about the kinds of questions you can get and how you can with your experience that you do have really highlight you know why you're the best candidate yeah, for that exactly. position. 
Yeah, great. Okay, thanks, guys. So, VJ, you've already shared with us that you have a background in many different industries and professions. Uh, so, I'm sure that you have come across a lot of different communication styles yeah. and communications challenges. Yeah. So, my question to you is what are some of the most common communication challenges you've come across in your day to day dealings? Yeah. The most important challenge is uh, helping uh, scientists to understand the numbers and investors to understand science. Because uh, I do in, uh, deep science investments. The deep science, it, uh, it goes uh, across multiple scientific disciplines and multiple industries. Now, just give you an example. When I talk about investment in encapsulation technology, it is for food, pharma, personal care. It can also cover multiple scientific disciplines as well, chemistry, biology, ICT. But in the end, you make investment. So you also have to know the numbers, you know. It's not only in terms of understanding numbers, also, it also depends on the st stages of investment because my fund has three activities. One is venture capital, another one is private equity, and third one is a money advisory. That means venture capital is too early stage. That means it's all about dream, it's all about vision. You know, there is no real numbers, you know, no real revenue. It's like sometimes just idea on paper. But private equity is mainly about growth, mature stage, it's also about reality as well. So without using scientific jargons, asking the right information and helping my investment committee, my partners to make right investments is very challenging for me. Because some of them are specialists, some of them are generalists. You know, some don't have much experience outside uh, investment uh, industry. So I had to play different roles. You know, sometimes as a generalist, sometimes as a specialist. I also have to look through different eyes of the stakeholders. For example, scientists uh, who want to be entrepreneurs, who, who want to get uh, investments from us, I have to make them realize that developing a product in the laboratory is different from developing, manufacturing a product in the plant and commercializing the product to the market. You know, the market-based solutions are more important than basic research or scientific research. So that is that's the way I have to, you know, um, you know, it's it's like uh, both technical and commercial knowledge I have to uh, put across in a package that can be understood by everyone. Yeah. I'm sure talking to different people, like scientists and yeah, people from different backgrounds would be yeah, exactly. very challenging to try and translate. Mm. Yeah, because then my stakeholders, not just uh, my university companies or my fund, because uh, my my stakeholders are universities research institutes. Some of the universities are basics, uh, they focus on basic research, some of them applied research. You know, they have their own way of investing money. You know, they provide grant, but we provide only equity. So the grant-based technologies, uh, based investment is different from our investment. Even the way they write proposals, they, 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 they make the pitch deck has to be different. Also, uh, I also work with public agencies you know, also uh, corporates, they have their own requirements as well. So the communication with the different stakeholders at different level is absolutely key for any industry, especially for financial industry. And Vijay, um, on the topic of networks yeah. and different stakeholders, yeah. the network that has become available to you at INSEAD yeah. uh, is, is really huge. Yeah. The alumni network here is you know, 59,000 yeah. people in 175 countries. 
But what would you say to our listeners um, when they're thinking about building their own network in the financial industry? What tips have you got? My, my first tip is they have to show up physically and mentally. And also they have to uh, prioritize. They must have a plan because it's a Singapore is a very small place. There's so many events happening. Then you have to, you don't have time to attend all the events. Networking, building a strong network is a long journey. It's not just collecting uh, business cards, or adding somebody on LinkedIn. That's not just a one-time, uh, one-off an event. For example, how I build network, because my network helped me to make a transition. My NCR network from the manufacturing industry to uh, financial services. Uh, for anybody in the financial industry, I follow different strategies. For example, I attended different types of events, not just networking drinks, not just workshops, uh, lunch event, professor series. So different when you attend different types of events, you can broaden your network. The second thing is I attended events consistently, regularly, two or three events every month, not just uh, one event every quarter. So when I attend the events regularly, I see familiar faces frequently. That means my network uh, deepens. You know. And the other thing is, it's not just about uh, attending an event. I also organized and hosted events. So when you host and organize an event, you are the point of contact for the speaker, attendees, service providers. Then you also understand you know, um, how to host an event so that you, your network becomes very strong. Another thing is, um, as I said, I'm also part of the CFA Society and NCR. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm part of the mentorship program as well for both CFA Society and NCR. I mentor current students and alumni. So when I do mentoring, uh, I also learn from them. Networking is not just about networking upwards. It's also horizontally, it's also downwards as well. You know? So they, they, these things are really important. And uh, last two months ago, I was in uh, Myanmar and Laos. So whenever I travel for my business trip, I, I, I make a habit of meeting NCR people, NCR alumni. They are everywhere, in Myanmar, Laos, everywhere. You know? So for me, m- more importantly, uh, it's just also about uh, paying it forward. You know, Probably the person you help or open your network to, they might, might not be able to help you in the future, but somebody else will help. For example, I, just uh, two months ago, I, I attended an event organized by NCR. It's called Reciprocity Rank, now, where I, we open our network to other people. I help somebody. Somebody helped me as well. So, for example, very, somebody connected me to uh, some senior uh, level person at the, one of the top oil and gas companies in the world. You know. So think about the power of, powerful of, um, and the power of network. It takes time. And you have to be regular, you have to be consistent, and uh, you have to be respectful of others' time as well. I facilitated one of the reciprocity rings once, and I just thought it was amazing how many people you can help and how many people can help you if you just ask. Yeah. Like, it's, I think it's amazing. So, Yuri, over to you. Uh, to succeed in financial roles of today, how do you stay up to date with market forces and conditions and investor queries and confidence? So, first of all, the sector that I'm in, aviation finance, is a very specific area of the financial industry. So, I can't really talk to the wider industry, but just about my sector. The underlying assets, the aircraft and the operators are heavily influenced by the macros. 
um, such as fuel price effects, global trade relationships, geopolitical tensions. So understanding those macro developments is, is a given, you know, like uh, information is public, public information, everybody has access to it. So if you don't follow those, like you're out, that's a requirement. However, to um, differentiate yourself, especially myself as a risk manager, I need to be able to capture the small signals of credit deterioration um, of each customer through direct discussions with airlines. So we try to derive non-public information. Um, and th those are the really key information that you want to understand to look ahead and what's going to happen in the coming year or two. So the crucial thing is to have your own view and analyses of things. Like it's it's helpful to read um, analyst reports. It's, it's, it's a good data point, but it's not your view. And sometimes you you might be um, the only right person. Always think critically and think ahead. And when some incident happens in a seemingly remote region, you would you would even think that maybe there's a knock-on effect, you know, or even a butterfly effect. It's, it's very remote, but it, it's a possibility, right? And what are the implications of changes in regulations and, you know, those kind of things. You, have, you always have to think ahead. And I think that applies to other sectors of the financial industry. Hmm. Can you think of uh, an example? It really interested me that you said, you know, something can happen in a country far away that may not be related, mm -hmm. but then actually it does end up having some kind of effect. Have you got any examples of something like that that has <laughs> happened um, like, that you can speak about? So um, I, I'm in the aviation finance industry. So um, obviously we monitor airline activities um, daily. And, you know, when a airline uh, uh, airplane crash happens in a very remote location, um, some of the, the technology or the same type of aircraft are deployed somewhere else as well. And they might have the common issue. Um, but on the other hand, like um, there was a recent incident um, uh, in the news, um, it was reported uh, erroneously that it was a technical failure. But we 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 know that we sense that something that doesn't add up, and there has to be some um, completely um, irrelevant, you know, like a cause to the incident. It's it's not the operator, it's not the aircraft. There's something else, kind of thing. So you, you need to have that sixth sense as well. Um, so a question to both of you, what is the most meaningful thing a financial professional can do in their career today? Now, this is a big question because it yeah. could kind of go any direction. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Yuri, would you like to start? So what's the most meaningful thing, if you could pinpoint one, a financial professional can do in their career today? Okay, I think um, uh, typical financial professionals are grade A student, um, they excelled in academics and they were taught at you know whatever they did and they but they, they have a tendency to, tendency to be boxed in. So um, I would say take away um, your mental and physical boundaries. The, the world is becoming more and more boundary less and like the marriage of finance and tech created a whole new market um, and financial inclusion, especially in the emerging markets where they were underserved by typical banks um, previously, but that's, that's like a really big market now. Don't confine yourself to one specific industry or sector or even location. Um, yesterday, I attended a seminar by IBM on data and AI, and I learned that 50% of the new jobs created last year in Singapore were data and tech related, which is amazing. Like no other country would do this, I think. Um, so if you're big in that um, sector, like you probably have more job opportunities here in Singapore. Different countries have different regulations, industry concentration, and job opportunities. 
So we have international mobility, one thing. It is not always easy to move a family, but um, um, I, it was a personal challenge for me as well to move my kids out here. But I, I would say that um, it's it was worth worthwhile. You know, my kids are appreciating exposure to different cultures and new experiences too. So, great. So, international mobility and being limitless. Yes. Yeah. Be Excellent. Flexible. Be flexible. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you. Good advice. Um, and VJ, uh, what's the most meaningful thing a financial professional can do in their career today? Uh, for me, they have to go beyond finance to understand the positive impact their, their actions create. Finance for me is a force for good. You know, be it science or technology, without finance, you will not be able to scale your business. You will not be able to sustain, financially sustainable. But it's not just about numbers. You have to see uh, the context, the story behind the numbers. You know, for example, when I invest in a, a startup uh, that produces filtration systems for clean water, I don't just look at the, uh, the financial return I get. I also look at triple bottom line, the profit, but you also have planet and people. Because if there, there is clean water, the women don't need to uh, burn wood to uh, boil the water. That means if there is clean water, women would not exposed to uh, indoor air pollution. That means no disease. That means the tree would be saved. So when I invest in a, a clean water company, I look at the holistically, you know, the planet and people as well. That's they have to do, you know, go beyond finance. The second thing is the disruption is not linear. You know, it, for example, in China, it went from cash to cashless society within three to five years. It didn't move to credit card, you know. Finance is disrupted by, disrupted by technology. You know, India in the telecommunication, it's not just telecommunication. It is in like uh, the geo, the telecommunication network. It is telecommunication, it is banking, it is, uh, it is uh, social apps and many things as well. So you would not understand, you have to be ready where the disruption would come. It would not be linear, it would be exponential, it would be very sudden as well. So they have to go beyond uh, the finance. Okay, so, See the bigger picture of see what you're doing, picture. force for good, yeah. and uh, see beyond just the numbers. Yeah. It's so much more. That's great. Great advice. Thank you, Vijay. So what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Well, volunteering, because uh, volunteering defined my values, my identity, my career tra trajectory as well. Uh, when I was leading Amnesty International Group for its fundraising activities, that's when I realized my passion for finance. Finance is important not only for profit and public agencies, but also for non-profit as well, for any business. Great. And Yuri? Um, 20 years old is coming of age in Japan, um, and it's it's a big transition to an adult. But um, I think I was a little bit immature, like caring about what other people think about you or, you know, what, what the trend is, like what others are studying or pursuing. And, you know, like just believe in yourself and do what you think is right. I think that's really common at that age to just want to do what other people want you to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah rather than just kind of following yeah your own guidance or what you're really passionate about so mm -hmm. that's great great advice thanks guys uh what's the worst advice uh you see or hear being dispensed in the world right now vj uh but uh, i hear often midlife uh, career transition is suicidal 
it's like midlife career uh, midlife crisis but i i made my midlife career transition when i was uh, just 4 years ago it, it is possible through a network you will focus yeah great and yuri what's some bad advice you've heard uh, first of all i generally don't listen to bad advice and i easily forget them and so it's hard to recall um any specific ones but um i want uh, people to keep in mind that you know when people are giving you advice sometimes they have different intentions you know not everybody's the same to you so yeah okay great what's one of the best or most worthwhile investments you have ever made and this could be money time energy Uh, for me, uh, investing in uh, my master in science, uh, finance program at INSEA because uh, I already had three masters before starting my master in finance. It also helped me to uh, uh, my career transition from the manufacturing industry to uh, financial services. Okay, great. Yeah. Yuri, what's the worthwhile investment you'd like to share? <laughs> This is an obvious answer, but my um, investment uh, in the uh, master in finance program at INSEAD, it is not cheap at all. I had to sell my shares and, you know, come up <laughs> with the financing because I I was a self-funded uh, candidate. And I had one more obstacle to overcome, uh, which were my family, relatives and people around me. Um, they thought that I, I was out of mind to spend so much money in my education while i had two children to raise <laughs> but um after all those obstacles i i think the accomplishment that i attained at insiad is just you know it's tremendous you know it was worthwhile i have heard some people a lot of people say that investing in education is yeah. one of the best things that you can do in yes. your life yeah okay so i'm really interested in this one as i was saying because This is within my budget. What purchase of $100 or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months or recent recently? For me, buying a book called Couples That Work, written by Insia Professor. I got that one too. <laughs> Insia Professor Jennifer, yeah. because as an individual, my wife and I have different set of values. But when I make a decision, it also affects positively or negatively my family. And uh, I have a, a one-year-old boy now, so any decisions I make, it has to be um, beneficial for my family as well. As a dual career couple, uh, that the book helped us to understand our family values. What are the important values for us and our timeline as well? Is it for five years? It is for ten years, so that we, my wife and I, uh, can survive and thrive in both love and work. Great. And Yuri, $100 or less? Mine was a bit over $100 Singapore dollars, so um, within $100 US. Is that valid? That's okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I went to see the Cats musical live, not the, not the movie, uh, with my children and friends. So it's $100 per person. Um, whenever I can afford to spend my time and money on whatever things that I want, I, I would go for the experience. And especially, I love theatrical arts. So... Um, You know, the professional performers are beautiful and uh, the moment filled with energy of the performers and the audience, it's just incredible. So I think people are more and more investing in experience than uh, material things nowadays. All right. Thank you, uh, Yuri and Vijay, for sharing your wisdom about career progression in the finance sector. I'm taking away some concrete things myself that I think any professional could implement in their career. 
Don't forget to subscribe to In The Know podcast and learn more about career progression and leadership from INSEAD Thought Leaders. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you.